2: what's better than this guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast presented by locked on it's joe marino and kyle krabs and we are your hosts on this wednesday edition of the show Good to be with you guys. We're going to get into some more players today. We had a lot of fun with that yesterday. Seems like everyone enjoyed it as well. So, Kyle, welcome to the show. Let's do what we do best, talk football players.
1: Yes, man. First of all, I'm pumped. The dudes and dudettes did not disappoint. Joe, we got two one-star reviews over the weekend, and people (laughs) crushed it. Yep. People are showing up in hordes. I think we got like 15 five-star reviews over the course of the last couple days. So if you did so, thank you so much. If you said that staying in Alabama for a week could turn anyone into an alcoholic, thank you so much. You said that you don't follow me for bad hair. Thank you so much. If you listen to DraftDudes. you put us in the top 100 of the iTunes uh, sports podcast rankings yesterday. And we are looking forward to returning again thanks to the efforts and loyal listenership of each and every one of you. Joe, I'm going to get off the soapbox
2: now, but I'm real fired up. Well, I, I you said something there that triggered me, and I think we have to get into this. People would be so disappointed to learn that you were out of town starting on February, or January 12th. You returned home on January 27th. And yes. in that in – that, what is that? That's a 14, 15 – that's basically a 16-day stretch. You drank one time. Yeah, weird. <laughs> it's, it's almost like you guys really
1: don't know –
2: People would be so disappointed to know.
1: Just the fact that I can drink copious amounts in one sitting doesn't make me an alcoholic. And it's almost like I don't do it all the time. It's weird, man. It's weird. weird. Yeah, it's real weird. Draft season where narratives go to die.
2: (laughs) You hate to see it. You really do, Kyle. Um, All right. So shall we get into the players today? Benny Snell, running back, Kentucky And then we're going to get into Rashawn Gary, the defensive lineman from Michigan. So, Kyle, you want to set the tone here on Benny Snow?
1: Well, yeah, I'm I'm super stoked for this because Benny's a guy that I'm super high on, and I feel like I'm a lot higher than the general consensus on. Uh, I like Benny a lot. He's listed at 5'10", 223. So he's a really well-put-together guy, very productive guy at the college level. Averages over five yards per carry, has 48 rushing touchdowns in three seasons. He's a true junior uh, exiting the the Kentucky program early to enter the 2019 NFL draft. And when I look at Benny Snell and I I read my synopsis of him as an overall player, I think his best best trade is his balance. His worst trade is his long speed. He's not going to win a lot of foot races. He's not going to tear away from a lot of guys. And that's okay. Benny Snell projects favorably as a lead back in the NFL, specifically for a gap and power, heavy rushing offense. Snell showcases a good nose for the boundary and effective toughness between the tackles, oftentimes grinding out tough yardage and slipping through first contact. Snell possesses admirable yards after contact abilities and will sneak past you despite a lack of true long speed. He's an effective pass protector, and I think Snell, for those reasons, give you every down upside in his transition to the NFL.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a lot of likable traits with Snell. Um, he he runs so competitive. I absolutely love that. There's not a, a touch that he has that he's not battling for every single inch on the field. I and mean, there's a lot of purpose and intent in the way that he carries the football. I do like his vision. I think he sees the field well, and so kind of a, a blend of vision and power are, are good baseline traits. And as well as I do have notable uh, good remarks about him in pass pro. So that I think that's really important. To making him an every-down guy, um, I think my concerns with with Snell is just that I don't know how valuable his skill set is. You know, he's he's a battering ram type runner. I think he can, you know, certainly bang between the tackles, but. How dynamic is he? Is he a guy that's really going to challenge for for big chunk gains? Is he really going to be able to win outside the tackles? Is he a dynamic receiving threat? And so I think within the context of his skill set, I think there's some value. I think he'll have a role. He'll get touches. Uh, but I'm not sold on him being a, a, like a multifaceted guy that you say, hey, this will be the focal point of my rushing attack.
1: Okay, so I guess that gets us into a philosophical standpoint with running backs. Your concern is that, you won't run your offense through him. Is that correct? I, I think that's uh, that's a
2: that, yeah. I, I mean, that's true. I if think you that wanted, over, if you wanted yeah. to just
1: put like a, a general umbrella over what your concerns are for Ben, yeah, I,
2: I don't know if it's so much. I, I didn't like your phrasing there. I, I think my concern with it is not necessarily that you can't run your offense through him because I think there's a very small number of backs that exist in in, in the world that you really believe that's true about. I think my concern with him is that I don't think his skill set's that valuable. Okay, so where
1: do you value him as a player? Because you got done saying he's got a lot of likable traits. Yeah, You like him in pass protection, which is a key trait for backs to contribute early in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You talked about good vision and a guy that can grind between the tackles. Yeah. So where do you value a player like that? Because you're telling me you like a lot of stuff, but you don't like the overall package.
2: And he's, he's, he's fringing on the 4-5 territory. For oh, me. Joe,
1: that's egregious. It's not egregious. That's egregious. I'll give you a hot take. You want a hot take? Um, do I? I like Benny Snell better than I like David Montgomery. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because David Montgomery, I've got vision concerns. Uh, I've got almost as good of contact balance with Benny Snell as what I do with David Montgomery. I'm not sold David Montgomery is a super dynamic guy either. Yeah. Demo's got like really dynamic, his base is really dynamic. And what I mean by that is he's able to really extend his feet far out from underneath of his hips to collect his balance. And he plays with like this surreal amount of power in those situations where his body's awkward. Benny doesn't necessarily give me that, but Benny's more of a short strider, which is something that as I look at your notes, I I see you mentioned that exact same phrase, right? So that step frequency is really high. And what that allows you to do if you're Benny Snell is you can keep and collect your balance with the frequency and urgency of your step. In my notes for feet and change of direction skills for Benny, I talk about active feet in both high traffic contact areas and in lateral situations. The feet are always moving, and I think that that gives him a balanced component to his game that's a little different than Demos. But if I'm putting those two guys up next to one another, the division is a big thing for me. I think Benny does a very nice job. As he's receiving the ball at the mesh point, very rarely does he barge into the back of a, of a blocker, right? That's something that that Benny, and again, that goes into step frequency, as he's receiving the football at the mesh point, and he's reading the second level of the defense, he's reading his blocks developing in front of him. Those short strides allow him to make those adjustments and position himself favorably to challenge the point of attack and challenge the line of scrimmage and then subsequently make a cut. Uh, I love the fact that this is a guy that, Comes into the league. He's been super productive as a feature back in the NFL. He had a little bit more put on his plate each and every year as far as receiving game. Uh, he's not a super high volume kind of guy, but he looks like he catches the ball well enough and easily enough. And uh, a, a lot of elementary routes and check down options. And you get that guy in one-on-one space. I feel pretty confident in his ability to make make the first guy miss because he has that contact balance, that aggressiveness to challenge you. And then he'll hit you with some lateral cuts as well.
2: Yeah. I don't have like, I don't disagree with you on his traits at all. I think this really comes down to like valuation and how you, you know, you, you seem to, to buy in more on his value and how he can make an impact where I'm a little bit saying, I think he's, I wouldn't say he's like a dime a dozen power back because I think there are some things that make him unique and, and better than that type of thing. But, it for me i just don't have a lot of like i don't value what he does at a level that i feel comfortable saying like this is the day two running back that you target and you get a you know you get a steal
1: but i guess that that confuses me and it's interesting to talk about because you know that's one of the things that the draft network that we really do kind of embrace and engage is our personal philosophical differences in player evaluation right so what is it like how do you tier some of your traits at running back that might be things that cause this differentiation between you and me.
2: Uh, well, feet and vision are are the, my two top traits. Um,
1: so if you're concerned about high. his spring, if you're concerned about spring right. and explosiveness, is that kind of feet is where that yeah, takes that So that, that hit?
2: if I if I look at his score, yes his his score is is not good in the feet. Not necessarily he makes up for that in the balance area, but I don't have the the spring you know the springiness that I really gravitate towards in running backs I tend to favor.
1: Okay. And feet slash change of direction is my, high, my second highest behind vision. And I give him credit for the activeness in his feet and what that allows him to do versus the dynamic burst. Whereas if I move down my traits a little bit, uh, elusiveness is my one, two, three, four, five, sixth trait down out of 10. So it's not super dynamic for me or it's not, it's not a, a big thing for me as far as explosiveness, a long speed. That's not
2: necessarily something that's going to make or break a guy for me. So, I, I mean, I guess to kind of tie a ribbon here, I think we're seeing the player similarly, similarly. However, you have more value to what he does than I do.
1: Yeah, because I think that's that's a three-down type of back. Where do Even you think the NFL will take him? In this back class? Yeah. Geez, well. Henderson will go above him. Jacobs will go above him. Devin Singletary will probably go above him. Listen, man, Damien Harris, you're going to have a tough sell trying to get me to take Damien Harris over Benny Snell. Because if you, especially you, from your perspective, the things that you like in a back, the things you're telling me that you see in Benny Snell, all those things are just as true. For Damian Harris, the lack of explosiveness, in my opinion. So I think he might be the fifth or sixth back, maybe. Depends yeah. on maybe Rodney Anderson's medicals. Yeah. So maybe maybe fringe top 100.
2: Okay. All right. So there you have it. Some contrasting viewpoints on the value of Benny Snell from Kyle and I. Can Next I up is going to be Rich. Yeah, can sure, sure. Quick?
1: Yeah. Folks, if you yeah. disagree on players, this is how it's done. Okay. Don't tweet me and tell me I'm an effing moron. <laughs> Don't tell Joey's an effing idiot. Just to say, hey, I have a question about X. And I would like to think Joe would respond very kindly in that situation. I can't speak for him. I could speak for myself. But that, that's, and that's, I actually had a couple followers that I want to tip the cap to the other day who engaged in a conversation it was like 20 tweets long. And usually you get in those chains, Joe, and you're like, big breath. Here we go. Like how long until somebody loses their top? Neither one of these guys did it. They had a really good engaging conversation, kind of back and forth, just like we did. I want to see more of that. So if you got questions, you disagree with us, please bring it, table it in that regard. And I'm happy to talk ball with you guys all day long.
2: Uh, speaking of dialogue and conversations, Kyle, we get a lot of questions about who to bet on. And the truth is we do not know, but if you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with, and that's why I'm always going to tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. You can lay down some cash and win big today. I'd only recommend a service to our listeners that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use our promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON25 when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play? You play? You win, you get paid. Check out my book, and we'll be right back after this to talk about Rashawn Gary. All right, Kyle, Rashawn Gary time.
1: Yeah, it's going to weird A bit of a polarized,
2: yeah, maybe. I think that it's going to be interesting. I think we're going to be on similar wavelengths here, uh, but I think it might rock the boat a little bit in terms of uh, maybe what you're seeing out there with other analysts. You know, I think you're seeing Rashawn Gary ranked in people's top tens, and you're seeing... Rashawn Gary mocked early in the first round, uh, you know, just you'll see it. It's everywhere. And he's an interesting player, right? Like there was a lot of buzz about him from the second he walked on the campus, you know, given him his five star status, a really highly regarded high school recruit. Um, modest impact, I'd say, overall at the Big Ten. But what it really comes down to, I think the appeal with him just comes from him being listed at 6'4", 280 and just having a lot of power and a lot of burst in that frame and uh, he's interesting because I think those things are definitely true but I think there's some concerns with his technique and just kind of overall just an underdeveloped football player and so I think when it comes down to Rashawn Gary it comes on how comfortable you are forecasting him to improve to maximize his play strength and his uh his quickness or if he's going to be a guy that never gets there and I think we've seen a lot of examples of the guys that never get there, and it's giving me a lot of caution in, in really being a super high on Gary. Watching you tiptoe around every single Wolverines
1: fan in the country just now was <laughs> beautiful.
2: I did a nice job, man. I snuck mm, right in the front door. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't know about that.
1: All right, so my first
2: question for you is: Where are you going to play, Rayshawn Gary? Uh, I'm man. I'm hoping. You know, look, we always do this, right? We're the the next Michael Bennett, inside-outside guy, right? Here we go. Here we go. Newsflash, not a lot of Michael Bennett's out there, people. (laughs) But but you like to think that there's some inside-outside ability with Gary. But the problem is uh, there's limitations on both sides, right? Like I don't necessarily see a guy with the flexibility to win around the outside hip of offensive tackles being an edge rusher. And I don't necessarily see the mass and power to really hold up on the interior as a run defender. So I think regardless of where you play him, I think there's concessions that have to be made.
1: Can we talk about Ben for a second and Ray Sure. Gary? Yeah. And uh, Ben is my predominant concern with Rayshon, uh playing on the edge and, and Ben can be implied in a lot of different instances and situations and in linear situations. So when he's, square to the line of scrimmage and he's engaged with a blocker and he has his hands fit and his shoulders are sitting tall over top of his hips. And he's got the hips dropped down and the, the wide base. He's got really good bend and leverage in that instance in a linear situation. He's really able to coil his hips, which means drop those hips down and then explode through that in contact, engaging his glute and butts through the ground, transferring lower body power, into contact. He's very good in that area. So from a linear perspective, he's got good bend and hinge. When he's trying to rush off the edge, I see a lot of concern with his ability to create steep angles. So if, think if you're standing up nice and tall, you're perpendicular to the ground. As a pass rusher, you want to duck your inside shoulder and you want to create steep angles from your foot and the ground up to your hip. Rayshon doesn't show a lot of ankle flexion in that instance. So when he's trying to turn the corner and work his hips around pass rushers, uh, you see he struggles to get the foot to catch in the ground when he tries to to tilt and carry speed through those instances. And you look at guys that win consistently off the edge, that surface reduction has to be there. So we're going to sit here and we're going to refer to this guy having a 40-yard dash at 280 that's probably going to be in the 4.5s and how explosive his first step is. But if he his hands on his frame in those situations and he's unable to get that foot to catch in the ground as he tries to tilt, which he struggles to do because he doesn't have a lot of ankle flexion to be able to get that foot stuck in the ground with that tilt simultaneously, it does you no good. And he's not going to be a guy that wins at first step. He's not... That explosive where he's going to just blow past offensive tackles, guys are going to have length and they're going to be able to Mm -hmm. get his hands on the numbers on the shoulder pad and they're going to ride him out and he's going to lose his footing. So that from a bend perspective, which is something that I think there's a lot of different applications and just making sure we're talking the same language when we talk about concern with Rayshon Gary's bend, that's not going away. And that's where I really get hung up trying to play him
2: on the edge yeah just a couple of notes that I have on him is that he offers too much surface area to blockers and he needs to be able to grease rush angles with his hands, but it doesn't often happen I mean, so you know he kind of exacerbates his own issues by not being able to more consistently establish a half man relationship and soften rush angles, which are really required for him to get around guys so um you know i mean what do you, what do you think it is what why do you think other people are more comfortable? with him higher in the draft where you and I don't really see that. What do you think it is? Well,
1: I think a lot of that comes down to what he has that you can't teach versus what he lacks that you can learn over time. Right? So you mentioned the hand work, the hand usage is a major concern. The only counter that I've consistently seen him hit is a rip and dip combo Mm -hmm. where he rips his inside arm. He dips the inside shoulder kind of pops those hands up off his numbers in his breastplate. And because he rips up through those, that offensive lineman is not able to reset those hands and his speed and elusiveness allows him to work across the top. And then he's uncovered and can close and accelerate out of that block. First contact is a problem for Ray Sean. He does really well in run fits to shoot those hands and get them fit and establish that first contact. But as a rusher, there's not a lot going on. There's not a lot of development there as far as ways that I'm going to get this offensive lineman to show me his palms, show me his hands, and I'm going to discard them before he touches me. He doesn't do that. So that's an area that any offense or any defensive coach who's worth his salt in the NFL is going to say, I'm the guy that
2: can teach him that. I'm the guy that can bring that mm-hmm. out of him.
1: So that's, that's why there's that disconnect, in my opinion.
2: Do you have any concerns that he's started a sports agency? Does that give you any clues about him? Or do you think that's something that really doesn't warrant a discussion at all?
1: No, I mean, I, I I think we're in an era right now where individual athlete branding is on the rise, especially in football. You're seeing football players start to try and catch up to basketball, which has kind of been the cutting edge mm-hmm. with these guys and you no know, deals mm-hmm. with, with shoe companies and the, the – the promos that they've got going on, this hasn't been a real big thing in football for a really long time. And I think it's smart for Rayshon with the, the situation that he's in right now where, you know, maximize your value. I'm all for that because that's one thing the NCAA puts caps on is, is prevents guys from meeting their market value as a brand, as an individual. So if that's where his passion lies and, you know, he wants to represent himself that, you know, that's a very slippery slope and he's got to make sure he's getting good advice because that's a dirty business, man. I, I do not envy yep. folks that have integrity that work in the sports agency and representation business because that is a that is a tough way to live your life. It's very cutthroat. So from Sean's perspective... Make sure you're getting good advice, but I don't have a problem with him getting involved in that because he's setting himself up for longevity whenever his football career ends. I think that should be applauded more than raise eyebrows for concern.
2: Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it's not a distraction for his, you know, his on-field stuff. But I, I, I see where you're coming from with that, and uh, it seems like he's kind of cutting edge with that. We don't really see players doing that, and so he's carved out a, a little niche for him. And you know, I, I certainly. I'm for people and I'm forced people having success and all those types of things. Just curious, you know, what your thoughts were on how that would be received by the league. And I'm sure the legal
1: rate, right, I'm sure the league's going to be on standoff with it a little yeah. bit, you know, because, yeah. you know, they, they question Miles Garrett like in freaking dinosaurs. Like,
0: come You're on, right? guys.
1: Like, they'll find any excuse to kind of want to not pick you. That's what the draft process yeah. is, right? We need to we yeah. need to find disqualifiers that prevent us from wanting to pick you and have you play on our football team.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: no lies detected there, sir. Any uh any parting thoughts on Rashawn here before we wrap this bad boy up?
2: I, would you think it's fair to say he's an underachiever? Yeah, I think so. Was he an un, I mean so
1: even in man, even, a, I, even in 2017, right?
2: Right. I mean, that was like his best year in still you know just was he ever truly dynamic did he ever dominate college football games like his billing is and the way that people perceive him as a prospect so i i i just it's whenever there's a big disconnect like this and i'm not saying like i don't think he's worthy of a day 2 pick like cuz i think he is if you believe in him and his upside that you can get the best out of him like i i'm for that but whenever there's a player that i see mocked in the top 5 that i'm like I wouldn't touch him in the first round. It makes me really, you know, be afraid that I miss something in, in the scouting. And so, you know, we we see eye to eye here, but I I know that not everybody does. Well, hold on, on this case. Hold on.
1: You said we see eye to eye, but you're talking day two, right? Is that where you feel your valuation is going to land with him? Don't don't yes. extrapolate too much here. Don't get too no.
2: excited. All right, all right. Yeah, uh, he's a day two guy for me. Yep. Like
1: like. How many tiers do you have? Early two, round two, round three? Are those the, the tiers that you have for day two picks?
2: No, I just have second round. Second okay, round, so, third so round. You so think I have top be, ten, first round, second round. So yep. you
1: think he'll be a second round, or he will be a second round grade for you, based off the
2: field? He, he will be a second round grade for me, yes. Okay.
1: I've graded him into the early two tier. So there is potential, depending on how the rest of the draft class plays out, right? I don't expect them going to have 32 first round grades this year. So depending on his athletic testing, it could push him up into the very top of that early two tier, which may land him with a top 32 grade for me. Do I expect that? No. But there is a chance Ray Sean Gary could be inside my top 32 grades when it's all said and done. That that is the fluid part of the process, right? We we put guys in tiers. We say, okay, you know, based on your film, I think this is realistic for you. And then within that tier. I let the resume that they have from there afterwards, their combine testing, production, uh, experience, those sorts of things. I kind of use those as
2: tiebreakers within those tiers. I'm, I'm, I'm similar process with you, Kyle. It's just uh, it's going to be interesting because I think he's going to get drafted like way higher. Yeah,
1: and <laughs> it's probably going to be its top top 15 pick.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you just feel like Seattle and not that Seattle's ever easy to peg, but it just feels like they're kind of player. Oh, he's definitely uh, so, their kind of. But there's a couple like "quote unquote" Seattle guys this year. Greedy, it right? A greedy's
1: a big time Seattle guy. Yeah. I
2: think. yeah. So. It's and Seahawks fans are mad. Uh, they don't want safeties. They feel like they've got something there in Thompson and Delano Hill. So I uh, listen. What do we say on this
1: podcast?
2: <laughs> what do we say on this podcast? I know. I with you, brother. Don't don't let don't.
1: Good players prevent you from drafting great players. Don't do it. Don't do it. But what you can do is come back and listen to tomorrow's episode of the Draft Dudes podcast. So, we said at the top of the show if you were so kind as to give us a five star review of the show, if you've enjoyed the show, uh, thank you so much. If you don't enjoy the show, we cordially invite you to try again and then give us a five star review. That would be terrific. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter if you have any players that you want to hear Joe and I kind of scout through over the course of the next couple of days. Joe is at the Joe Marino. I am at Grinding Tape. Thanks, as always, for listening to Draft Dudes Podcast. We'll be back with you guys again tomorrow.
2: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.